Global Crisis Bible Prophecy Health and Preparedness You are just in time. 11th Hour Dispatch Welcome to Second Beast Rising, a multi-part series attempting to understand and decode the prophecies of the Bible, allowing the scriptures to be our own interpreter, allowing world events to give us a window into the time in which we stand today and the scope of prophetic history. If it takes a ringing of the alarm bell because the house is on fire, then I'm willing to be that messenger of alarm, the watchman on the wall saying, get ready, because my friends, it's not alarmist. If there's a fire and you pull the alarm switch in a building, that's prudent, appropriate, responsible, the unbelievably important thing to do in the context of a crisis of that magnitude. Now, if they're just making things up and exaggerating and trying to get people in a state of fear so that they can manipulate them in whatever fashion, that's, that's evil. And we don't want to be in a state of fear. In a state of fear, we're not thinking clearly. We're not reasoning properly. We're not in a spiritual mindset of love and altruism. We're in a state of self-preservation, panic and anxiety, and all these unhealthy emotions come in. But the alarm does need to be rung. Because there is a number of crises emerging before our very eyes. And these folks who've delivered these messages to us in these headlines are just the beginning, just the tip of the iceberg. We're going to dig deeply into the prophecies. We're going to identify the first beast, the second beast. We're going to see who the Antichrist is. We're going to understand exactly what the mark of the beast is. So stick with me for this whole series and you'll learn a whole lot about the Bible and the world we live in today. Here's a headline for you. A very powerful nuclear blast over the central United States could fry electronics coast to coast. Why shift gears into this topic? I want to spend a few minutes on the possibility of a grid-down scenario. When national security experts and and preparedness-minded people talk about the most potentially potently dangerous and volatile situations, they point to the loss of power and electricity across the country as being one of the most significant dangers that we face because there's a number of ways that we could lose our power grid. And without power, there's a well-known maxim in these circles of national security experts and so on. And they say that at any given time, society is only nine meals away from total bedlam and anarchy and breakdown. Three days of people being without food because when you have no electricity, your food in the freezer is getting bad very quickly. You're exhausting very quickly the food that happens to be in the pantry and and on your shelves. And of course, the grocery store shelves have been panic bought out and sold out. And so all of a sudden, trucks aren't running and making deliveries. The gas stations aren't working. The ATMs aren't working. The banks are closed. Hospitals have no electricity. Running water is out. I mean, think about how long... People will will be happy without water. I mentioned food first. Water is even more significant. Um, You can imagine the dependence that we have in modern society upon the power grid and upon electricity running our basic utilities that deliver life 
to us. Uh, if that were to go down, it doesn't take very many days for things to really fall apart. Let me share some things with you on that. In 1859, there was a uh, what's called a Carrington event, a solar super flare. And that's a massive geomagnetic solar storm. Now, in 1859, it didn't matter that much because there wasn't much electricity, but it did totally fry the telegraph machines at the time. The telegraph had been around for about 15 years at that point. Now, if today we were to witness something else like that, it would be absolutely catastrophic. The sun could unleash huge super flares that would destroy much of the things we rely on for life on Earth, scientists have warned. Huge flares of energy with the power of a billion one-megaton nuclear bombs, a billion nuclear bombs, could destroy our communications and energy systems, they have said. Scientists made the warning after seeing a huge superflare erupt from another star that looks alarmingly like our own sun. And people who look at this said that in 2012 and in 2013, we narrowly missed a significant solar event that, that could have caused this grid-down scenario that we're talking about. 2008 also, there was a congressional commission that was launched to study the, the hardening of our power grid. And not just to protect against a solar super flare or a nuclear blast over the central United States, both of which could knock the power out through the whole nation of the United States, and this could happen to any nation. But the commission was called the Commission to Assess the Threat to the United States from Electromagnetic Pulse Attack. And they looked at the possibility of an EMP, electromagnetic pulse attack. And that would be a, a deliberate, nefarious, harmful foreign actor. Rather than setting off a nuke, they just set off an electronic pulse. And it does the same thing that a nuke would do in terms of destroying the power. It just doesn't destroy uh, physical physical realm. It's just an electromagnetic pulse that just fries the electricity. The commission warned of catastrophic consequences. If such an attack were to cause a nationwide blackout lasting as long as a year, up to 90% of the American people would die due to starvation, disease, and societal collapse. That, that apocalyptic scenario is not as far-fetched as it might seem, according to CIA director James Woolsey. So you might wonder, well, what's been done then to harden the power grid, to, to protect it? Is it vulnerable. It's probably even more vulnerable than, than we want to know or admit. This is truly amazing. CNS News found two weeks after North Korea threatened to launch nuclear strikes against the U.S., the Government Accountability Office reported that the federal government has still not implemented all of the recommendations made eight years ago to prevent catastrophic blackouts caused by an electromagnetic pulse attack. And then we have Zero Hedge, which reported, according to the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission's latest report, all it would take to plunge the entire nation into darkness for more than a year would be to knock out a transformer manufacturer and just 9 out of 55,000 electrical substations on a really hot summer day. One transformer manufacturer, nine substations. If you can carry out 10 attacks at once on a hot summer day, the country is without power for a year. You might, wow, we're really vulnerable then. Yeah, that's why the Congressional Commission said, hello, hello, we've got to do something about this. Well, the um, Wall Street Journal did a study, did an investigation into the vulnerabilities of the power grid. What they found really concerned them and alarmed them. So they, they did a nice write-up on this, and it goes like this. 
Dozens of break-ins examined by the Wall Street Journal show how tens of thousands of substations are still vulnerable to saboteurs. The U.S. electric system is in danger of widespread blackouts, lasting days, weeks, or longer, through the destruction of sensitive, hard-to-replace equipment. Tens of thousands of smaller substations. Security experts say a simultaneous attack on several of these tens of thousands of smaller substations could destabilize the grid and cause widespread blackouts, as you just heard, just even nine of them. Most substations are unmanned, and often protected chiefly by chain-link fences. Many have no electronic security, leaving attacks unnoticed until after the damage is done. In some cases, alarms are simply ignored. Jerry Cauley, head of the North American Electric Reliability Corporation, which writes standards for the grid, was asked at a FERC hearing in June on grid security, Well, what keeps him up at night? The expert on this. He says the prospect of eight or ten vans going to different sites and blowing things up. Recovery from a coordinated attack, he said, could take weeks or months. The grid was cobbled together during the electrification of the U.S. over the past 125 years. It is a fragile, interdependent system, generally more vulnerable in summer when it is running closer to its limits. It is also at risk during low-demand periods when power plant operators and linemen perform maintenance. Fewer plants and transmission lines operating means fewer options for delivering electricity during emergencies. Security advisor James Holler said his company, Abidance Consulting, inspected nearly 1,000 substations over the past year for utilities in 14 states. At least half had nothing but a padlock on the gate, he said. No cameras, no motion sensors or alarms, One utility lost a set of substation keys that were in a truck stolen for a joyride. After the truck and keys were recovered, Mr. Holler said, the utility didn't change the substation locks. So you can see some pretty significant vulnerabilities there. And again, the potential for very enduring and catastrophic global crises on a number of fronts as we've seen here, particularly this one, do pose a serious and imminent threat that makes us say it's probably not a matter of if, but when we will witness these sorts of events transpire that will catalyze and really inaugurate the final events that we read about in Revelation 13. There's a picture in Revelation 6, symbolically again, of of four angels holding back the four winds of strife so that they don't blow upon this earth so that God can place the seal of God upon the foreheads of the servants of God. That's the counter to the mark of the beast in the forehead or the right hand. The seal of God right now is a major issue. If you don't know where you stand spiritually, are you in Christ? Are you going to heaven? Are you having a faith that brings salvation? This crisis of the mark of the beast and the seal of God will delineate and define who's truly with God and who is truly not. And so studying prophecy right now is more important than ever before. But not just studying prophecy, not just understanding the vulnerabilities of the power grid and, and all of the things that I didn't even get into about the danger of foreign hacks. Like we've actual, we've seen actual hacks into the power grid system. So that's another way the power grid could go down. It's not just 
understanding the dangers of, of, of the economic scenarios that we find ourselves in or the geopolitical and, and military dangers that the world faces and, and all the other list of the crazy things happening in our world. The only reason to look at those, well, it's twofold. Number one, to get out of denial, to get out of a state of apathy and saying that the world will just continue as it has and scoffers will come saying, where is this coming of Jesus? Things have gone on as they always have since the beginning. And so we just carry on with our lives and selfishly live our own way and not think about the lost and the hurting and our own salvation and our children. And we got we to gotta have that wake-up call. The collective grabbing by the shoulders and saying, look, it's not okay to stay in this state of spiritual and mental being when the world's facing the kinds of things it's facing now that are of apocalyptic proportions. It should drive us to the prophecies. It should validate the prophecies when we see, and we're going to see it in great depth in this series, the prophecies of the Bible being played out in our day today. That makes me go, whoa, this book can be trusted. This book is for real. And that's an exciting thing because then I have something certain, something true, something, a foundation to plant my feet on, something of substance that nourishes the soul, that transforms the mind, that brings joy and peace and healing to my life, that brings a sense of security, knowing that, that, that when I am in Christ, I am a new creation, that I've got an eternal life ahead of me. Instead of all the doubt and uncertainty and, and self-loathing and depression and anxiety that people find themselves in, he breathes new life into the soul. That's what the Bible does for us when we look at world events and we see the Bible prophecies and we start to accept this. And the second thing, I kind of got into it just there. It reveals Jesus. That's the most important thing I've said this entire session. Jesus Christ was willing to sacrifice his life for the sake of lost sinners. You're listening to 11th Hour Dispatch with author, teacher and speaker Scott Ritzmer. For more programs and information, visit 11thHourDispatch.com. We all know of the tragedy of divorce, abuse, and broken homes. But did you know that even among solid Christian families, less than 10% of them ever open the Bible together as a family or pray together other than at mealtimes? And did you know that the average child spends more time watching TV by the age of six than he spends in conversation with his father during his entire lifetime. The family in America today is in a deathly spiritual crisis. Any parents with children in the home need to know this. Write down the DVD title and share it with them right away. It's called How to Raise the Remnant. Now more than ever, parents are in desperate need of solid biblical counsel to guide us back to God's plan for raising godly children in these last days. Visit 11thHourDispatch.com and use promo code RADIO for a reduced suggested donation rate. Martin Lidstrom, neuromarketing executive at Apple, recently revealed that iPhone users have a, quote, relationship with their iPhones. Yes, you heard that right. A relationship. He explained that their brain studies that they did revealed that the love circuits of the brain actually fire when iPhone users are engaged with their beloved device. In his words, people are literally in love with their iPhones. You and your device are the two becoming one flesh... At every church I speak at, folks say the same thing. Scott, why didn't anybody tell us this before? 
So, folks, grab a pencil and write this down. Media on the Brain. It's a six-DVD series that will arm you with the vital information on the undeniable effects of entertainment media and how to break free. Visit 11thHourDispatch.com. Use promo code RADIO for a reduced suggested donation rate. Wonderful, merciful Savior. Precious Redeemer and friend Who would have thought that a lamb Could rescue the souls of men Oh, you rescue the souls of men Revelation 13 verse 11 says And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. Verse 15, And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak, and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. And his number is six hundred, threescore, and six. What you've just heard here in Revelation chapter 13 is a description of what John called another beast. The beginning of chapter 13 describes a first beast, What we just read was about a second beast that was rising. This is a prophetic time spoken of 2,000 years ago in the book of Revelation. A prophetic time where a beast, which symbolically in Bible prophecy represents a kingdom or a political power that was to arise upon the earth and will persecute God's people and will bring this final test, this final decisive test, that will sift out those who have received the mark of the beast from those who are faithful to Jesus and receive the seal of God. Are these prophecies actually true? Can the Bible be validated? And how can we make sense of this crazy world we live in today? That's what this series is about. And ultimately, it is about our great hope, the second coming of Jesus Christ. Take a look at the data, the information, the prophetic predictions that have already been fulfilled. You will conclude, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that this book is authenticated and validated beyond anything we ever could have imagined. And then, when we look at world events transpiring around us today, the prophecies of the Bible become all the more current and relevant and credible. But most of all, This book, it's so humbling to hold this book in my hands. This is the book that was written down through the ages over thousands of years past by prophets inspired of God to write things that would bring to our personal lives hope and peace, redemption, forgiveness from sin, and a future in heaven for eternal life. Sounds like an imaginatory experience of bliss. It's real.
And you're going to see just how real the Bible is in this series. Through the lenses of current events, world events that are transpiring even now as I record this, we're going to take a look at the signs of the times, meaning the indicators that the Bible has said to look for that will be showing us that we are nearing the close of time. We will also see the epic global crisis that precedes the rather crazy-sounding stuff that we just read, and it's coming sooner than we possibly could imagine. What's happening in our world presently as the global crisis emerges all around us, there is a preparation being made. There is an awakening, an awareness among global elites, common people, billionaires, uh, former generals, current uh, military experts and analysts, economic forecasters, financial experts across the globe. You consult them all and you get one chorus saying the same thing. Something big is happening in our world. It's something unprecedented. When we don't know, we don't set dates. The Bible doesn't point us toward setting dates for any future events. But we can know when the time is near. And we can know that there will actually be a world where this, what we just read here, is possible. World events give us a window into the time in which we stand today and the scope of prophetic history. There was a series of apocalyptic floods in South Carolina. And the streets were filling with water and any motorists or any pedestrians or any people who were traversing the streets or out and about and had not gotten to high ground were in peril. Indeed, the Bible says, in the last days, perilous times shall come. Everybody seems to be digging in and preparing for what's to come and warning about what's to come peril. Indeed, we find the world in peril. Well, there was an elderly lady named Clara Gant. She was imperiled in this flood. She was, she was trapped. Her car literally started to float down the road, and it came to rest up in a churchyard. She was able to get out. She was able to climb to safety. The amazing thing is, as the flood waters rose, as the crisis became so undeniably catastrophic to her that it might just come and carry her away. She did something symbolic. Take a listen to what she said. She was rescued later, and she said to reporters, she says, I was literally, after I got out of the car, holding on to the cross. I was clinging to the cross. This lady was a Christian. She knew what she was saying here symbolically. What a beautiful, beautiful concept. As the flood and tumultuous events surround this world, we can choose to neglect the cross and Bible prophecy and Jesus and end up with our hearts failing us for fear. Or we can with hope and with certainty and with every fiber of our faith cling to the cross. And as the floodwaters rise, and as this world becomes so unstable, as, as we see things we don't even want to speak of, we hold on to and look to the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, knowing me is eternal life. 
It brings a peace that transcends all understanding. And so we've looked at some pretty sobering information in this session. We've seen this world is in danger. Bible prophecy is real. We're going to study that in great depth. But the most important thing is not understanding all of the geopolitical machinations and the economic theory and an understanding of what is happening in this world. The most important thing is, are these news headlines and goings-on driving us to the Word, driving us to analyze and examine ourselves in light of God's law and His expectation for us? Because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Not one has done good. No, not even one. And the wages of sin, my friends, is death. We are all born terminally ill with a disease called sin. And if we don't receive the healing balm of Jesus Christ, if we don't receive his forgiveness, the redemption that he wrought out at the cross, then all we'll do is end up with fear and our hearts failing us as we see the signs happening in the last days. And the mark of the beast will come and many, many, many human souls will wander after the beast, will be deceived, and walk the, the wide road to destruction. But it doesn't need to be that way. We can lift up our heads for our redemption draweth nigh. But first we must accept Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us now. That's redemption. There's nothing to lift up your heads for in the last days if you don't have his redemption now. The redemption in your life begins now and he'll carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He will transform us. He will heal us. He will give us a new heart and a right spirit. That's the promise of the Bible. And if you're willing to accept it, the prophecies of this book will point you to a God who made you for a very specific purpose, who loves you deeply as his child, who sent his own son. Jesus Christ was willing to sacrifice his life to be blotted out of existence for the sake of lost sinners. Think about that. Behold that love. Behold what manner of love the Father hath given unto us, that we should be called children of God, sons of God, daughters of God. What a privilege. The book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ, the greatest person who ever lived, and he was no ordinary person. And if you have not studied his life, if you have not beheld his sacrifice, you've been missing out. He's the most mentioned and talked about person, but very little truly do we contemplate who he was, who he is, who he wants to be in our life. We've done terrible things. I know each one of us has neglected God, has hurt others. If you're not acknowledging sin in your life and in your past, you're fooling yourself. We all know. We need forgiveness. And if we're not seeking God for that, whom we have offended and hurt, he created us to do good things, to bring honor and glory to him, to bless his children, our fellow man. And if we've not lived up to that, which we haven't, it's time to repent, to get on our knees, and to ask Jesus for a new life and a new start right now. I hope that you accept that and that you take a moment, find a quiet place, and spend some time talking to the creator of the universe. Be still and know that he is God.
To financially support this broadcast, visit 11thHourDispatch.com. Listen to this quote from the 1913 Rockefeller Education Board, the ones who funded our present public school system. In our dreams, we have limitless resources, and the people yield themselves with perfect docility to our molding hands. We shall not try to make these people or any of their children into philosophers or men of learning or men of science. We have not to raise up from among them authors, editors, poets, or men of letters. We shall not search for embryo great artists, painters, musicians, nor lawyers, doctors, preachers, politicians, statesmen, of whom we have ample supply. Folks, School as we know it was designed to produce a subservient, compliant, unthinking mass mind. Learn more in the two-DVD set called Schooled. Available upon donation at 11thHourDispatch.com. Use promo code RADIO. Here's Scott Ritzema with another final minute message. The idea of following your heart. And you might say, I think I've heard that somewhere before. You've heard it in lyrics and music, but it's been most famously the philosophy of the movies that have come out of Disney. Follow your heart. It's a very sentimental feeling. It sounds nice. It sounds cute. It sounds harmless. But when you really think about what that message is, and check out the documentary on that called Magic Kingdom, excellent expose of what's happening in Disney and the philosophy in in these movies. It's satanic. It absolutely is. Following your own desires... If you read an excellent 19th century work called The Great Controversy, you will read that already in the 19th century, the spirits were appearing in in the spiritualist movement of the 19th century, and they were declaring, desire is the highest law. This modern movement of spiritualism or Satanism was already underway. Brought to you by BeltofTruthMinistries.org.